0: Paul McGuire Report I'm Paul McGuire on today's program, once again, I want to take you I want you to join me in a journey outside of thinking within the parameters of a small box of thought, intelligence, cognitive reasoning, and perception because you see, as most of you know by now that when you're locked into the small box. Your consciousness, your understanding of reality, and and the power that comes from understanding reality, which would constitute knowledge, is severely handicapped or limited. So when you have a battle for the hearts and minds of mankind, and as I titled uh, one of my recent books, The greatest battle for the hearts and minds of mankind in the history of the world. I believe that's an accurate depiction of where we are in America and the EU and globally. We're in the last day's battle, which just happens to be uh, the greatest battle for the hearts and minds of mankind in the history of the world. Why? Because it's the wrap up battle, it's the final battle. The Bible tells us prophetically, especially in the book of Revelation, which 84% of evangelical Christians and their pastors and their churches and their Bible studies and their denominations actually reject, willfully reject, to teach the book of Revelation uh, and to teach Bible prophecy. And of course, this uh, handicaps uh, the average Christian and the average person in being able to see clearly uh, about what's going on all around them. And it blocks them from receiving what can only be described as a supernatural power to overcome the works of the of our invisible spiritual adversaries, and and the power that the church and individual Christians uh, are being blocked from receiving, Jesus Christ refers to in the book of Acts as power from on high. And before he ascends back into heaven, he gives his disciples and apostles, a set of instructions about what they're supposed to do. And he reminds them, as well as the angels that are are standing by, they remind the disciples that this same Jesus that you're witnessing right now ascending into heaven, at at a certain point in, uh, in time, this same Jesus is going to return to the earth, to Jerusalem, in, in the manner uh, by which he left. In other words, Jesus Christ supernaturally, and that's an important word to understand and not to be ashamed of the word supernatural, but Jesus Christ supernaturally ascended into heaven because that's an impossibility in terms of the, of the natural world. And the angel said that he was going to come back the same way he ascended. So at a certain point in time, which I believe we're drawing close to, Jesus Christ is going to return from heaven, according to the Bible, at his second coming. He will return from heaven, supernaturally, riding a white horse, followed by the armies, the immense armies of heaven, and Jesus Christ, along with the armies of heaven and the angelic armies that are in obedience to God, will descend on the last great battlefield on planet Earth, which is geographically uh, located in the Valley of Megiddo, known as Armageddon. And when Christ descends with his armies from heaven at Armageddon, he is going to overthrow overthrow the counterfeit rule of Satan, uh, the false prophet, the Antichrist, all those who receive the mark of the beast, all the various rankings of fallen angels. And when Jesus Christ hits the ground, so to speak, Uh, In the Battle of Armageddon, he's going to send these rebellious armies led by Satan into the Lake of Fire, um, where they will be judged and eventually sentenced for all of eternity in a place, a bad place that you don't want to go to and I don't want to go to, called the Lake of Fire. And some people call that hell in any, in any case, the Lake of fire would constitute uh what I call in my books, like um, the greatest battle. I call the the Lake of fire god's Supermax prison, and most of you know that a supermax prison is the highest technological level of prisons that that we can build in America and in other nations. They're like impossible uh, to escape. They have so many technological advances, and they're inescapable, basically. And that's why they're called super max prisons, or You could translate it, they are maximum security prisons, but they're beyond that. They're super maximum security prisons. So hell and the lake of fire, uh, for for lack of better words in terms of a description, is God's supermax prison. And the reason he is going to send all those who are in rebellion against him and his kingdom, the kingdom of God, is because he does, he does not want satanically possessed rebels, uh, demonic hierarchies, unclean spirits, fallen angels, all those men and women who have accepted the mark of the beast. He does not want them running amok uh, in his new Jerusalem, new heaven, and new earth. Where all believers, all true believers in Jesus Christ, whose sins have been forgiven by the blood of Jesus, who are born again by faith and have been allowed to enter heaven, he does not want these satanic criminals uh, to be in rebellion. And so he's going to lock them away in his supermax prison, which is. Buried deep beyond space and time, in another dimension, and fortified with with walls composed of impenetrable uh, materials, and guarded by the most powerful of uh, God's angelic armies, so it's actually impossible for them to escape. Now, where we are right now. In real space-time history, where we are is we are in a geographic time period here in America and the rest of the world, where where Bible prophecy is not only accelerating at the fastest rate that it, it has ever accelerated at in all of human history, more Bible prophecies are coming true than ever before in the history of, of mankind. And there is what we call the last day's battle um, for the soul, the last day's soul harvest of planet Earth. That simply means is that God is giving one last opportunity to every man, woman and child alive to receive. The free gift of salvation in Jesus Christ by faith, have their sins cleansed by the blood of Jesus by faith, and everyone, and you may be listening to me, the Paul McGuire Report on Paul McGuire, you may be listening to me from any nation or place in America or any place in the world, and you have two choices as you as you hear the biblical message that I'm delivering to you, because it's not my message, it's it's God's message to you. Now, probably the majority of you have received Christ by faith, and you have entered the kingdom of God, and you're going to spend all of eternity in heaven, in paradise, with Jesus and everyone else who, would, who has accepted Jesus. But if you happen to be listening, and you are still sitting on the fence, you're still wavering between two opinions, then I need to tell you directly, uh, on the basis of my own personal experience and on the basis of the personal experience of millions of people, that once upon a time in Paul McGuire's life, I was raised in a militant, atheistic, intellectual, creative household in New York City, where I was taught uh, as a very young child to hate Christianity, to look down upon Christianity, to reject Christianity, and I did. Uh, My parents taught me that Christians were literally, quote, As a young boy, my parents taught me that Christians were, quote, anti-life, anti-joy, anti-creativity, anti-thinking for yourself, and anti-sex. So that was my, my perspective of Christians. Now, what at that time... What my parents, and they, my parents were very intelligent. They, 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 their friends were artists, like famous artists and painters of large, huge canvas abstract paintings. They were writers. One was an economist whose son went on to be one of the most famous financier economists in the world. And he uh, was my childhood friend for years, along with his brothers. And without giving away his name, let's just say he was chosen to be uh, one of the golden boys or one of the golden children. Not children, it's a full-blown adult, but he's an extremely wealthy and powerful man because he has been. Handpicked by Klaus Schwab and World Economic Forum to be part of that elite group, that elite group that rules the world. So these were my were my childhood friends, or uh, I had childhood friends whose parents were friends of my parents, and although we were middle class and lived in a middle class uh, household in New York City. All this eclectic group of thinkers, artists, people, people who had uh, unique jobs, like uh, one particular guy was the, one of the heads uh, uh, and creative directors of the, uh, of the Museum of Natural History in Manhattan. A very, very prestigious museum. And he was responsible for, along with some of my other parents' friends, for designing this massive whale, massive whale that still hangs from the ceiling of uh, the Museum of Natural History. And so when when you're a young child, as I was, and you would sit around listening to these people talk, it expanded my mind on a neurological basis because they would have... It, it, their normal was not the mediocre normal uh, of, of talking about trivia. Their normal was to talk about high-level concepts of art, philosophy, history, uh, why Christianity was a religion for fools. <laughs> I'm not embellishing their conversation. They really did believe that Christianity was a religion, religion for fools. But the point is, my mind, my neurological capacity, my perception was inundated with, with an infusion of high-octane jet fuel thinking on a, on a far higher level this isn't boasting this is just i'm giving you part of my bio and that led me to rebellion but it also it produced some bad things but looking back when all was said and done being raised in a intelligent self-aware self-thinking secular humanist household Atheist household, existentialist household. It, it, it forged a character in me where I sought out answers for myself. So I wasn't I was not intellectually dependent upon the propaganda of the public school system. I wasn't connected to the umbilical cord of Scientific mind control and brainwashing and programming from the educational system, as were the vast majority of my friends and the overwhelming majority of both my teachers and my fellow students and You can imagine the challenges that 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 presents when you 're actually going to school, and again. Um, the right-hand man to uh, Klaus Schwab, head of the World Economic Forum. The, the irony is, he philosophically is on the opposite side of the fence from me in just about everything. But there seems to be similarities in our childhood and our our choices to to uh, aggressively pursue. Uh, our mutual abilities to think logic and reason and he like like many people who who are part of the elite was a was a uh, avid reader of both novels especially science fiction novels and books on science and economics etc and that's exactly parallel to my own intellectual development in fact, and by the way, I, I go through all of this in a fast-moving, you know, pedal-to-the-metal, burning-rubber style of, of writing, where I promise you, you, you will be downloaded with, with very important biblical truth, theological truth, economic truth, historical truth, scientific and technological truth, But I promise you, you will not be bored, because I made a promise to myself when I when I first uh, decided I was going to write books, which really was a struggle, because I asked myself as a young kid, how could I write books? You know, you just don't feel like you're that you can do those things, but you actually can do those things, and uh, there's similarities. Between me and him. And but the difference between me and him is that he is being financed by the wealthiest international banking families on planet Earth. He's being promoted, he's being given a, an enormous salary, open doors, publishing deals that that allow him and the World Economic Forum to to develop a massive global echo chamber to promote their thoughts, their philosophies, and their ideas regarding what I call rebranded communism, socialism, and Marxism, because of the massive wealth behind him. Uh, His ideas are being circulated around the world, and they're being sold and promoted to uh, naive college students and adults all around the world. So we're going to come right back and revisit this. I think I'm going to call today's program uh, The Election Deep Chaos, magic, interdimensional DNA. Now that sounds like kind of like psychobabble, science fiction like psychobabble, but it's not. It's where our world and the innovators, the leaders, the inventors, the pioneers, the risk takers, the cutting edge people. That's where the cutting-edge people are right now on planet Earth. That's where their heads are at. That's where their consciousness is at. And I was watching a clip on Infowars, as I talked to you about a couple of days ago, and he had on the show uh, Stanley Kubrick, the brilliant director who who risked his life to communicate Uh, And expose the truth about all kinds of things in movies like 2001, A Space Odyssey, A Clockwork Orange, Full Metal Jacket, uh, and many other seismic, earth shaking films. And uh, uh, Eyes Wide Shut with Paul Kidman and uh, Tom Cruise and his daughter. Vivian, uh, Kubrick was talking about how her father almost had the supernatural ability to see in the future, and he wrote about what he saw coming in the future. He depicted it in his big, big budget feature films in Hollywood, and uh, he he told truth that a lot of people were trying to hide. So, for example, in Eyes Wide Shut, he's exposing, the director, Kubrick, is exposing the, the, not the conspiracy theory, but the reality of the Illuminati and the secret Illuminati rituals. And he shot or simulated the, the secret Illuminati rituals that were taking place in these massive, massive mansions uh, owned by the super elite and, and families like the Rothschild families and other families. And I and I don't recommend his, that movie to you because, it, you know, it is very graphic and I don't need to say more to you. Uh, and the way I deal with that is I have a choice. I have to, as a researcher, know what's going on. That doesn't give me a license to, to break God's commandments in my life. But what I do is I'll watch some of these movies, because I have to know what's going on, but I will speed through, with the remote control, the objectionable scenes. And then I play it at regular speed when it gets back to visuals that I feel are appropriate. Because I don't want a bunch of perversion and, and you know, what's stuck in my head. And I don't think you do either. But he was accurate in what he was depicting. So his daughter, you know, it was remarkable what Vivian Hubert said. She said her father understood you know, like 40 years ago. Her father understood that planet Earth was now a science fiction planet. And he depicted that in his movies. And he depicted the science fiction planet nature of the spiritual, technological, scientific, and cultural warfare for our world. He he understood it and he he put it together for, so people could understand what is happening and so vivian kubrick again the daughter of stanley kubrick uh was saying that the biggest problem is and i would say she is very sympathetic and open to christianity i wouldn't at all call her you know your stereotypical christian but the reality is she knows more about the bigger spiritual truths in the global fight between spiritual evil and spiritual good than most Christians do and that is often the case that is often the case and it shouldn't be that way so she was saying her father understood that we live now on a science fiction planet and it's amazing i i'm, I'm sure she had Pretty sure she didn't get the words from me, but she was using words and sentences and phrases that that I put in my books, you know, twenty five thirty years ago, which which went along the lines of that people, they there's a ceiling in the consciousness of their brains that incapacitates them from recognizing that. Um, our world really has become a science fiction planet. And these themes that, that director Stanley Kubrick was presenting in his feature films, a lot of people go, oh, no, they can't handle it. It's like information overload. So they, they shut down their minds to to like have a psychological self-protective uh, mechanism erected. But then but she said, the reality is that what her father was saying is true. the technologies these future and this is what I've been writing out writing about for decades these science fiction technologies, these uh science fiction like sciences and, and many other things that people think uh won't materialize you know for another fifty or a hundred years. They are gravely mistaken. The science fiction planet we call Earth and the battle for this science fiction planet that we call Earth is in full force right now. And after her father did Eyes Wide Shut, um, there was about, I don't know, 45 minutes of very high-powered, expose information uh, in his movie revealing things about the Illuminati, and he was in a battle with the big Hollywood studios that were going to distribute his film, and they would not allow him uh, to submit his film, and they would not release his film for widespread distribution unless he edited out or unless he chopped out of his movie about forty-five or, or minutes or longer of perhaps the, the most high powered revealing of truths that are really real. And then on the same program uh on enforce um I don't know how many of you are familiar with John Milleux. Uh, he was a very big, big blockbuster director, Hollywood filmmaker. But he was a super conservative, not necessarily a Christian, but a super conservative. And I can't remember all of his films off the top of my head. But one was the Conan the Bavarian series, which grossed, you know, millions and millions of dollars. And then he did that uh, other film where uh, Hollywood tried to shut him down because he depicted the communist Russians invading a small town in Colorado and the, the Russian military forces beginning their penetration of the United States of America with the goal of taking over America militarily. And the only people who wake up in time are these high school students in a small town in Colorado. So it's interesting. I don't agree with everything that Alex Jones says. But he is not the dummy that they portray him to be. Far from it. I listened to him rattle off uh, from his memory the names, the concepts, and ideas that that only people that have done their homework could possibly know. So, when we analyze this election, we need to analyze this election in light of the reality of this term, a science fiction planet. And America is a nation now, a leading nation in this science fiction planet. And you can't analyze this recent election within the confines of, of what I call the small box brain, where you, you have limited access to information, limited thinking abilities limited perception. If you try to analyze what's happening inside the confines of the small box brain, you're not going to get it, which means you're going to be defeated. And God does not want his people and all the fellow travelers to be defeated at this critical time. Absolutely not. We have anybody who who is mouthing words that are attempting to dissuade you from marshalling your energies, uh, from marshalling you into intercessory spiritual prayer warfare, from preaching the gospel, from taking a stand for a biblical worldview. Anyone who's using Christian theology or biblical truths and attempting to distort the biblical truths, to distort the biblical theology regarding Bible prophecy or whatever. And if, that's, and if these people are depositing in your soul and mind a warped understanding of Bible prophecy and the Bible that leaves you immobilized, paralyzed, stupefied, caught in the crossfire you need to be spiritually discerning they may not be aware or fully aware of what they're be, what they're doing but the reality is they are being used whether they realize it or not the the warping of their theology has allowed satan and the demons to weaponize these individuals so, their distorted biblical theology begins, it is used by the powers of darkness to undermine the church, undermine true Christianity uh, like a Trojan horse. And that's what's happening now. And I read an, uh, another article from uh, a very prestigious think tank, which Just came out with an analysis and a warning that among Bible believing Christians and especially evangelical Christians in America, that the evangelical Christians in America have been subverted, undermined, uh, taken over through Trojan horse strategies. And you have all kinds of leaders being synthetically or artificially raised up in the so-called Bible-believing church or evangelical church, according to this article, according to their research, and these pseudo-Christian leaders in the evangelical movement. Are essentially false prophets, but they're being worshiped as if they were legitimate Christian leaders. And what they're doing, and why they're being monetized, and why they're being promoted and receiving positive publicity, is because they are championing the cause of ideas, beliefs, theologies, Bible teachings, and programs that are in direct opposition to what the Bible teaches. So you have all these um, theological belief systems. Two come to my mind. I've, one I've been writing about, again, for decades, and that's the Frankfurt School uh, the, the Marxist professors of their of the Frankfurt School in Frankfurt, Germany, who were actually trained by the communist former Soviet Union secret police, and these Frankfurt School Marxist professors were trained to become college college professors, who would then go on to infiltrate America. The, 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 biggest and most prestigious American colleges, Ivy League schools, and universities in America as tenured professors. And once they penetrated like Trojan horses, uh, the Ivy League and prestigious schools like Stanford and MIT and Harvard, Yale, etc., they would strategically indoctrinate thousands and thousands of students into accepting um, a, a form of Marxism, communism, and socialism, and basically ignite a communist, Marxist, and socialist revolution in America, but, but starting out like a Trojan horse with a revolution that ignites in the cultural arena, like music, rock and roll music, writing, books, uh, books by celebrity Frankfurt School Marxist professors, like Herbert Marcuse, who wrote *One-Dimensional Man*. Now, I was reading Herbert Marcuse uh, when I was in uh, when I was 16 years old in New York City. Now, why would Paul McGuire choose to read Herbert Marcuse, a Frankfurt School Marxist professor and celebrity author, and why would I believe what he was saying? A reason I was sucker punched was because I was a naive, uh, radical in the counterculture that was being led by people like radical activists like Abby Hoffman, um, and I was part of all that radical activism and other radical leaders of the time. Uh, and Abby Hoffman would—I uh, would be standing near him usually when I had the opportunity to at these giant demonstrations in Manhattan, and Abby Hoffman would would be telling us that we needed to read uh, Herbert Marcuse, and he would tell us we would need to read all these Frankfurt School Marxists. And I did. Um, So I was exposed to them at an early age. But I must confess to you, when I would read like Herbert Marcuse's book, One-Dimensional Man, you know, I was raised to be a pretty perceptive kid. I had no idea what this guy was babbling about. Because what I noticed about the writings, especially of the communist Marxist uh, secretive revolutionaries, is that they wrote in a very high level, an extremely high level of vocabulary, I I believe their books were deliberately and strategically authored to be overly complicated, like intellectualism on steroids, for the purpose of brainwashing gullible young students such as myself. Because when you use big fancy words, you know, you get conned into thinking that the guy really knows what he's talking about. And so these. Frankfurt School Marxist professors, I was there at at the beginning of the launch of their operations. Not the very beginning, because that was in the 50s. And I saw how they moved from campus to campus. And then they created, a long time ago, back in Nazi Germany, the Frankfurt School Marxists were busy at work and they developed a revolutionary, a communist revolutionary psychological mechanism theory called critical theory. Now, when we come back, I want to blow the truth and, and rip off the mask and expose to you what critical theory really is without all the baloney. Because your kids are being mainline critical theory in media, in the educational system, in colleges, in high schools, in grammar schools. Uh, and added to critical theory is a, a recent add-on that kind of uh, ramped up in speed approximately 10 years ago or more. and. This add-on would be called critical race theory. And you need to know what those terms really uh, mean versus the propaganda explanation of what they mean. You're listening to the Paul McGuire Report. I'm Paul McGuire. I need you to join me in nothing less. If you want to see America saved, If you want to see our freedoms and economy preserved, if you want your children to live in an America that has an ounce of freedom left in it, if you want to pass on to your children and grandchildren and your friends and the people that you love, and and if you want to simply be faithful to Jesus Christ in in and doing what he said which is occupy until i come then you need to do you need to be a reader and read strategically i cannot tell you almost every day i will come across a secular author a humanist author an existentialist author a hard leftist author And then a very small percentage of really savvy Christian authors. And inevitably, almost every time I read some kind of bio on the trillionaire tech boys or the billionaire tech boys like Elon Elon Musk and others, it doesn't matter whether you like them or not. They all have something in common. The big tech boys, almost 100% of them, are huge readers of books, and they have been huge readers of books since childhood. The reason they can think outside of the box is not just because they were set up, and yeah, they were set up, but the reason they, they have an expanded consciousness is they were readers of science fiction books of fiction books of science books of computer technology books they weren't it's very it's very interesting that the that the trillionaires and billionaire tech boys who you know are the kings of social media they themselves don't allow their own children to be addicted to social media and they themselves individually um, don't allow themselves to to be addicted to social media. They're busy reading and expanding their mind. Now, we should be learning from that model. The reason there, the reason America is in many spiritual battle fronts going to hell in a handbasket is that in the evangelical and so-called Bible-believing culture, we have a culture in the Christian world today, and it's been going on for 65 or 70 years, where we elevate being stupid. We elevate being dumbed down. We elevate being ignorant. And then if you are self-educated, if you read books, if you study, if you attempt to acquire knowledge aggressively, you find yourself being attacked or belittled by all the Christians and all the Christian leaders who are married to the non-biblical concept that God is pleased with stupidity. Now, the only way you could you could develop the erroneous concept that God is pleased with stupidity is, is if you completely rejected the teachings of the Bible, and especially teachings of the Bible like the book of Proverbs, where God says over and over and over and over again, the the all-out importance of you acquiring knowledge and pursuing knowledge and wisdom aggressively that's what God says in his word. So when you encounter Christians that, that are deliberately dumb because they absolutely refuse to, to read, um, they are, all the, all the Christians that are dumb, are share in the responsibility to a high degree for America's demise because they didn't bother to get up to speed. Now, again, I don't agree with everything Alex Jones says. But I, but, it, but to be honest, the guy is far more intelligent. He's well-read, and he's far more perceptive, far more perceptive. If you compare Alex Jones and Infowars with the morons that attack him, there's no question that the people attacking him despite their wealth, status, and Ivy League educational backgrounds, they're morons. They're privileged morons. Because I listen to the content of what Alex Jones is saying. I I observe—he's not always looking at a teleprompter— I observe the massive amount of information and data and history and philosophy and theology. You know, the guy is not— He's not the dummy. They're, they're trying to demonize him to bring him down. He's not a dummy. And he said something which I've heard him say more than once, and that is and I, because I, I discovered the same thing in my life. He was talking about guys and how guys are all into sports and football games, baseball games, uh, sports of all kinds, and they love to watch sports. And he says, and and I would agree with him, there's nothing wrong with that. There's nothing wrong with taking time, letting loose, relaxing, and if you're into sports, enjoying sports. Nothing wrong with that at all. But then he goes on to warn if that's all you do is become addicted to sports and you know the latest scores and you know, how much they're trading the latest player for in football or basketball or whatever. And you can, you know, you turn on the sports channels and, and these guys, let's call them men's men because they are, these guys are like super geniuses when it comes to all the statistics and history of sports. And they love it with a passion. Okay, that's fine. But if that's all you're immersing your mind with, you're failing. And so Alex said that, um, that he came to the place in his life where he realized America is perishing. America is being taken over. And how can I just immerse myself in sports and ignore all the data and the statistics of the, the warning signs uh, regarding America? And and I crossed that threshold myself many, many years ago. Because like all guys growing up and, you know, anywhere, you're surrounded with other guys. And, 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 a, and a huge part of the conversation is sports. Again, nothing wrong with that. I played every sports, not professionally or semi-professionally or not even playing sports on, on you know, uh, collegiate levels or anything. I, I didn't want to do that because I wanted to read and make films and 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 do other things, and that's what I did because that's what, where my passion was. And again, there's nothing wrong with enjoying. I have lots of friends and family that love sports, and there's nothing wrong with it. Everybody needs to to decompress, but if that's all you're doing while simultaneously watching your nation crash and burn. And then something's out of balance, and so if you want to please God, you need to come to God and not repent for liking sports my god we don't we don't need another uh false spiritual dynamic which which conveys the false message that God is pleased with you only when you act and think and behave like a monk but that's not what I'm talking about, but you've got to understand. You see, what turns me on, Alex was talking about this, what turns me on is the real spiritual battle that's raging in our nation. Because that's life and death. That's real. And the risks are real. You're not sitting there fighting with your lawyers over your, you know, $40 million a year contract. You're fighting for your sons and daughters and grandchildren and, and you know your family and the people that you love. And and I would say the criticism that he has said often because it's valid. I see so many what I would call men's men in American society who who demonstrate well, I gotta be careful the way I say this because I'm not afraid of saying it, I just don't want to draw unnecessary fire uh for, for not phrasing something, and I'm not backing off from dealing with the topic. I could care less whether you like me or not or want to attack me or not, but I want to make sure I get my primary strategic method across, and that's this: I see a lot of men's men with with you know there's women who have those talents too, okay, especially in today's world they're They're very gifted at running corporations, administrating corporations, being entrepreneurs, uh, and all kinds of things that require aggressiveness, competitiveness, and many things that you learn playing sports as a kid. Well, what has to happen is there has to be a collective recognition among all these people, both men and women, who have been really gifted by God in all kinds of entrepreneurial, administrative, management, uh, uh, marketing, sales, all all those sports-related skills. There has to be... Uh, an awakening in their minds that, hey, I can't just, you know, paddle around in, in, in my private rubber blow-up swimming pool in my backyard like it's a kid and let America go to hell so I can make money and utilize my very high level of gifting that God gave me. Okay, now I'm going to say it right to the solar plexus. Wake up. Your gifting, your talents, many of which were developed because you participated in sports, that's good. But now this is to the solar plexus. Don't kid yourself. Yeah, you're saved by grace. Favor, not of works, lest any man or woman should boast. But this is for the solar plexus, and I hope it hits you hard. You owe God. Wake the blank up you oh god you're not talented and gifted and you don't have your your gifting developed you didn't get access to those schools and, and get those scholarships and get all those opportunities to develop and grow your talents in circles of power which enabled you to flourish <clears throat> don't think that's that you're special because you were privileged. Yeah, you cho- chose to to be faithful in developing your talents. But let's not kid ourselves. Without God's divine intervention in your life at a very young age, that means your your family environment, both negative and positive, because negative and positive both contribute to developing character for success the the home you grew up in the educational opportunities you were given the people you were blessed to 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 know and iron sharpens iron all that gifting all those open doors that were granted to you don't think you're something special because there's people in ghettos all across America And in lower uh, middle class, uh, working class, white neighborhoods, African-American neighborhoods, Hispanic neighborhoods, all kinds of ethnic groups, that if they had the same privileges and opportunities that you had growing up, they would be at the top of the corporate ladder or in some high-level position. So never forget that a great deal about who you are and how you got there, and your your incredible ability to produce was engineered by God. So let's quit strutting around like you did it by yourself. You did it because the blessing of God was upon you and your family. And so you don't earn your way into salvation, but I want to remind you, and I hope this hits you hard, like a fist in the solar plexus, you owe God. He gave a lot to you, and you owe him. And if you truly have the love of God shed abroad in your heart, then you would get off your you-know-what and get in the real spiritual battle and help turn this nation around before it's too late. Now, I'm not trying to blame people who are successful. I believe without question that that a Christian form of capitalism built on biblical principles that capitalism built on biblical principles is by far the superior system and that communism and marxism and socialism is by far an anti-productive totalitarian building inferior system, no question about it. So we'll be thankful that you're live in America with the opportunities. And and I'm flashing back on, on a childhood friend, the one I told you about, who who in many circles he's a in many circles he's a household name. Especially in circles of business and power and commerce. He's a household name. I'm not going to give you his name, but I grew up with him and his brothers. And we were all close friends for many years. But he, as I observed his career, he he went to, to, to the very top. He became a, a top person in one of the... In, in one of the handful of most powerful companies on planet Earth. Incredible wealth, incredible power, incredible gifting. And I believe that he's a man of integrity. He was, when he was a young boy, he had integrity, as did all his brothers. They, they were people of integrity. And I'm not going to judge him, but I heard him giving a speech on the radio, a business interview. And I thought his motivation and his drive were commendable. But I would say to him, if I was speaking to him privately, I would say, you know, you owe God, too, just like I knew. Because you did not get where you were with all that wealth and success purely because of your own merits and hard work. You were gifted by God. You you, You had doors open for you by God. And when the day is done, you owe God. And I would say that to anybody who's successful in America. Because this pride that is in so many Americans of of all areas, the pride is, there's nothing wrong with being proud of accomplishment, achievement, and success. There's nothing wrong with that. But let us not forget Without God's grace, unmerited favor, you would not have had the blessings you needed to accomplish everything you accomplished. Okay, so where does that bring us? It brings us to the fact that despite what's happened with the COVID, the pandemic, the economic challenges, The 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 unusual challenges for the small business owner, uh, the family-owned businesses. Despite all of that, God will give each one of us, including these superstars that I have alluded to. God will give each one of us additional wisdom and blessing and favor. And financing and energy and restoration. If we synchronize our lives to His purpose and plan, which means we think about others, not just ourselves, we can count on God supernaturally supplying us with the wisdom and the favor and the blessing and the finance we need to accomplish all the things that he has called us to do uh, while we're alive here on planet Earth. There's nothing wrong with making money and having power. But we need to remember, when you make money and have power, you need to think of your brothers and sisters and help develop ways, that, not give, give away freebies, but help develop ways that they can lift themselves up and educate themselves, and uh, realize the opportunities that you have. So this is the spiritual battle, and I believe this is part of the gospel of Jesus Christ. The Word of God says, Beloved, I wish above all things that that thou mayest prosper and be in health even as thy soul prospers. That's self-explanatory. We need to do the basics. We need to return to the basics of discipline, of morality, of integrity, of honesty, of virtue, of hard work, of prudence. We need to return to the basics from the top down to the bottom, in every sphere of America. And, you, and we cannot have a biblical great awakening or a biblical revival, unless there is first a a targeted repentance where we directly repent specifically before Almighty God regarding things like sins which are very rarely repented of publicly. Yeah, we do need to repent of uh, racism. But the answer to racism is not. It is absolutely not critical race theory, which is nothing more than a communist Marxist revolutionary strategy to bring about a communist Marxist revolution in America. That is not the solution. That is the path to slavery. But we do need to repent of racism. We do need to repent of hoarding money and wealth for ourselves and not putting energy and financing into opening doors and creating opportunities for others. There are people trapped in the cycle of depression, psychological problems, drug addiction, alcohol addiction, PSTD from their service to our nation— uh, in various uh, overseas battlefields, we need to provide healing, psychological healing, entrepreneurial and business training, access to cutting edge medical technologies that really work, and we and we need to. Before there can be a spiritual great awakening there needs to be across the board an authentic and down in the belly an authentic repentance of all of our sins before God and and the greatest sin all of us that can be that all of us potentially can be guilty of is the sin where we violate loving our fellow man and woman now, when we once again attempt, America's never been perfect. America's track record is riddled with sin. We know that, but America has made an exceptional effort in in trying to make the American dream available to people uh, from every every area of life. So, repentance means specifically asking God for forgiveness in specific areas, and what does that mean? Whenever we violate the laws of love and hoard uh, resources or prevent our brothers and sisters from access to resources, access to education, access to training, access to medical care, psychological care, et cetera, et cetera, and we hoard that just for ourselves and our friends and some elite group, that is a very wicked sin before God. You can you can you can cover it up with a fig leaf, but you're not going to have national healing, national restoration, national biblical revival unless you truly repent before God. Stop playing church. Stop faking like you're helping people. Stop pretending like you're helping people and actually pick up your cross. And help people. And I know a lot of Christian men and women, ordinary Christian men and women, who do that and serve others in the name of Jesus with their talents and abilities. And then finally, I'm trying to make this, this relatively short, but finally, <clears throat> there are extremely gifted and talented men who are the heads of. Globalist corporations, multinational corporations—they're the highest-ranking generals in the military. There, there are—they're supposed to be our public servants, as politicians, uh, in, in medicine, in science, in law enforcement, in in all areas. It is not enough before God to just accumulate worldly success, worldly power, and worldly affluence without really and seriously holding yourself accountable to God and to begin to really incorporate the love of God into the practical areas of life which will set people free. Now, when we start to do that and quit BSing God, when we start to do that, We will begin to break up the hard soil, which represents the hardness of our hearts. What's preventing an outpouring of the Holy Spirit of Almighty God that will rock this nation in genuine revival? What's preventing it? The hardness of our hearts. When we deny that our hearts are hard, we lie to God and we block revival. So we confess to God that our hearts are hard. That means the soil is hard. Our hearts are hard. The spiritual soil is hard. That prevents God and true believers from planting the seed of the gospel of Jesus Christ in the soil, spiritual soil, which is supposed to bear fruit. So the only way we break up the hardness of the soil and the hardness of our hearts is we have to come to God, confess our sins of hardness of heart and hardness in the soil, so that we can faithfully serve the Lord Jesus by planting the seeds of the gospel in soil that has been broken up. Now, here is a law of the kingdom that must be applied before national revival, uh, national biblical revival, and the Third Great Awakening can be released upon our nation. Charles Finney wrote a book called Power from On High. That's where I got the idea. The, the Great Evangelist, the father of the Second Great Awakening. Charles Finney wrote a book called Power from One High. That is where I got my idea, along with the Bible, for the title of my new book, Power from On High. And on the cover of his book was a simple cover. It was a heart, and there was a hammer, and like a hand that represented the hand of God holding a hammer. And the hammer was smashing this hard heart on the cover of this book, Power from On High. And the heart was shattering. And then you saw flames explode out of this heart, which was hammered by the hammer of God. And that picture and that title fixated itself in my mind. And I've carried it in my spirit and in my brain for 40 40 plus years. It was a very simple cover. I mean, it was not fancy at all. But I have never been able to forget the message of that cover of Charles Finney's book. I I have never forgotten it. And I have preached sermons from the cover because he was basically saying in that book and in his ministry that we can't have revival. We can't have a Second Great Awakening until we come to God in repentance and allow the hammer uh, of God's love to to hammer our hearts and shatter the hardness in our hearts which will allow our hearts to be set on fire and which will allow God to pour out power from on high upon our hearts which will ignite and explode into flames and bring about a second great awakening that will sweep this nation. And man, that riveted itself in my mind and heart. So when we came up with the idea of power from on high, originally, from a spiritual sense, it flows back to Finney. Now, Charles Finney was formerly a lawyer. He was very educated, both uh, through universities, but he was very self-educated. Charles Finney was not afraid to preach the truth in the midst of spiritual deception. And at that time, which is around the time of the Civil War in the United States, many, many so-called born-again evangelical denominations, like the Southern Baptist denomination, they were They were inundated. They were flooded with people and ministers who were both in the Illuminati and who were both in uh, Freemasonry and other secret societies, while at the same time thinking they could go on being Christian ministers. And Charles Finney, from his fiery pulpit, confronted them. He confronted the entire Southern Baptist denomination. And he called on the Southern Baptist pastors, as well as the pastors of other denominations, wherever there were Christian pastors that were Freemasons or Masons or members of the Illuminati, he called them out. He called them in the name of Jesus to to renounce their sin and to leave those secret societies, to repent of their involvement in those secret societies. And he was unrelentless, and, as he preached the truth with force and power, because he believed in ministering under power from on high, Charles Finney believed in ministering clothed under the power of the Holy Spirit, he called out these apostate ministers who were parts who joined the Illuminati and joined the Freemasons. And at first, there was resistance, and then the Spirit of God, power from on high, began to fall upon these Baptist ministers, and the Lord and His Holy Spirit began to convict the Baptist ministers of their spiritually illicit relationship with the Illuminati and Freemasonry. And first, it was a small percentage that left these occult groups, and and left the Freemasons, and left the Illuminati, and then the the numbers of Baptist ministers quitting Freemasonry and the Illuminati kept growing and growing and growing, and the next thing you know, there was a critical mass achieved, and bam! There was an explosion, a spiritual revival broke up, uh, broke out, and because Finney was not afraid to speak the truth, and And confront in love the corruptness of the Christian Church, God used him to ignite a second great awakening in America, and Finney pressed on under the power of the Holy Spirit and power from on high, and he preached against the sin of slavery and racism with equal fervor, and God used Finney and other. Uh, pastors at that time to denounce racism, uh, racist policies, and he called on the white Christians to repent of the sin of racism. And he participated with his sermons in helping uh, create the environment that enabled Abraham Lincoln uh, to fight the Civil War that liberated Uh, our our African-American brothers and sisters that liberated them from slavery. Okay, so what, what does all this mean? Genuine revival explodes when the truth of the gospel is upheld and the truth of the gospel is preached. We will win the spiritual war the moment we purpose in our hearts to radically obey God, and I'm calling on you right now to help me, Paul McGuire and Paul McGuire Ministries, to do that, to do the things that Finney did and Jonathan Edwards of the First Great Awakening did, and the earlier generations of Christians did in America. I'm calling on you to say enough is enough before the throne room of God, to begin a movement of repentance from the sins that are holding back revival to confront spiritual error in love but aggressively and with a take no prisoners attitude i need your help to join me you will hear very few ministers preaching the way that i am preaching on social media or any other avenue. There are some, God bless them, but they are very few. If you believe that what I'm preaching is the truth, because it is the truth, then I need you to join me in this spiritual battle right now at this moment, and we will either recapture America or we will lose America. So I'm asking you, to come before the throne of grace boldly and humbly ask God and ask him, Lord, how much do you want me to donate or to contribute to Paul McGuire Ministries so he can fulfill the mission that you've called him to fulfill? Lord, show me, reveal to me how much you want me to donate, contribute, and give to Paul McGuire Ministries in Paradise Mountain Church. And then, with no manipulation, I simply ask you to obey the Lord, and no matter what he tells you to do, no matter what he tells you to do, I'm asking you to radically obey him. Then I'm asking you to pray for me, my family, and those associated with this ministry, We are on the front lines of spiritual warfare. They would love to take down this platform, and they have tried to take down this platform. But I need you to stand with me like a spiritual army. I need you to become intercessory prayer warriors and fight a law-abiding and spiritual battle for me, my family, this ministry, so that we can occupy until Jesus comes, and so that we can be faithful in igniting an authentically biblical revival and authentically biblical spiritual second great awakening, excuse me, third great awakening. And finally, I ask you as your brother in Christ and as your servant in Christ, because I am a minister of the gospel of Jesus Christ, with Paradise Mountain Church, our church, and what Jack Hayford, my spiritual father, taught me, that a real minister is a servant first, and you are given authority, you're given power, you're given wisdom to the degree that you don't seek to serve yourself, but to the degree that you seek to serve the Lord And to serve God's people with the posture and the attitude of a servant. So I come before you. Yes, my words may be bold, but don't mistake the boldness of my words as pride, because you're judging me falsely. Just because God anoints a man or a woman with fire and boldness, which often involves spiritual aggression, Don't mistake the boldness that God puts in the hearts of men of God like me. Don't mistake that boldness that comes from the Holy Spirit. Don't mistake that for pride. Evaluate me by the totality of the ministry and the purpose of my heart. And those of you that know me, and those of you who have watched my ministry and have been part of my ministry for over 40 years, you know my track record as a servant of God's people and as a servant of Jesus Christ is valid. I am a faithful husband of one wife. I have a ministry that is built on integrity and doing what God wants done. I am faithful with uh, my handling of theology and and teaching sound doctrine. So I ask you to stand with me on the basis of the fact that I, you know, When you're in spiritual warfare, they sling any kind of mud, dirt, and lies and deception they possibly can at you. They have unsuccessfully tried and dismally failed to accuse me of being a false prophet because they didn't like some church that I spoke in. I have never surrendered my faithfulness to sound doctrine in any church environment, but I will go and continue to go in the future to preach where the truth is needed the most. That doesn't mean I will compromise sound doctrine. It means I will go uh, to preach to people who are hungry for truth and aren't trying to censor truth. The minute Paul McGuire Ministries in Paradise Church, is Paradise Mountain Church, is not about spiritual compromise one of the foundational rules of this ministry is, is is that it is the word of god and the word of god first which is our final authority in all matters of our ministry supernatural experiences although i talk about them are never our final authority the bedrock of this ministry is based on the authority of God's Word, not some supernatural experience. Now, what the body of Christ in America needs right now, more than anything else, to win the spiritual war and to defeat the so-called giants in the land, is, number one, we need sound doctrine, a biblical worldview, based on sound doctrine, and we need to uh, serve God under the authority of the Word of God first. The authority of the Word of God first and a biblical worldview. Secondly, and let me emphasize it secondly, we need to minister in the power of the Holy Spirit. I I talked About this in great detail in my book, Power from On High. I chose to use the term power from on high because God's people desperately need the authentic biblical power of the Holy Spirit to be victorious in ministry. That means authentic and biblical power from on high. I am not emphasizing any old power. Or spiritual power that people claim is God's power, but when you measure it against sound doctrine, it's not God's power. It's New Age power, a Kundalini spirit power, or a cult power. And I am the first one because I live through and was a relatively high member of the New Age movement for you know, like 13 years of my life, and I am well aware of the differences between New Age teaching and sound biblical teaching. I'm well aware of it. I've written books on it. I've taught, I've taught classes at a a very prominent Christian uh, school of theology, and uh, a very prominent uh, Christian seminary, and college. And among teaching regular courses on Bible prophecy, I would teach courses on spiritual deception and contrast the truth of the Bible with the falsehood of New Age doctrine. So I'm well aware of the difference. Charles Finney, who ignited revivals all across America, he himself, as a lawyer, Was personally involved in these occult societies, personally involved in the Illuminati, and personally involved in Freemasonry. He personally repented of all of this spiritual deception, and then he embraced sound doctrine. A similar thing happened in my life, even though I was raised an atheist and moved from atheism to the New Age and the occult. Uh, and other forms of of false doctrine. I repented of my involvement in the New Age and false doctrine and the occult. I repented of that uh, decades ago at the University of Missouri when I was majoring in altered states of consciousness and filmmaking. I repented of that after God miraculously saved me uh, when I was hitchhiking on the back roads of Missouri In a kind of field of dreams experience. And it was then that God showed me the difference between my era in New Age deception and the truth of God's Word. So I need your help. We can win the spiritual battle, but we have to defeat the strongholds of the rise of witchcraft in America, Wicca, uh, New Age religions. Uh, Eastern mystical religions and occult and satanic uh religions of every kind we need to defeat the false religion of secular humanism also so I'm asking you to join with me so that we can purchase the technological platforms and the open doors we need to conquer the spiritual land and I'm asking you to join me financially spiritually, and by spreading our links, joining our likes, promoting our websites, our Roku channels, take an active—I am asking you to take an active part in joining me in this spiritual warfare, because I believe that together we can turn the tide of the spiritual battle, and by believing God and being faithful to God's Word, we can overcome the giants and we perceive ourselves through the power of the Holy Spirit and the Word of God. We perceive ourselves as giants. We perceive the giants as grasshoppers. And as we receive and walk in power from on high, the so called giants begin to perceive themselves as grasshoppers and they perceive us as giants. And therefore, as Joshua and Caleb reported back to the Lord, we are well able to take the land, the promised land. God bless you. This is Paul McGuire. Go to paulmcguire.us. That's Paulmaguire.us and race to get yourself a copy or copies. Get a case of power from on high. It will revolutionize your spiritual life. And revolutionize uh, just about every area of your life. Also, other books that I've written are available at a financial discount: "The Greatest Battle for the Hearts and Minds of Mankind," uh, "Conquering the Matrix," "A Prophecy of the Future of America," Volume One and Two, "The Day the Dollar Died," and 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 one of my first books that that just swept the nation and went all around the world. Are you ready? a simple but powerful book on Bible prophecy that is a great evangelistic tool, because it's a one-two punch, and it, quite frankly, grips the reader by the grace of God. Um, a very famous young pastor, a young, I, he's my age, slightly younger than me, but but he invited me to speak at a very major Bible prophecy conference about seven years ago with many famous Bible prophecy teachers, and he came up to me with a with a copy of my book, Are You Ready?, in his hand, and said somebody gave it to him when he was ministering up in uh, uh, Santa Barbara, and he couldn't put it down. And then he I was quite humbled, because this man, you'd all know his name if I named his name publicly, but <clears throat> He said before his entire congregation, and, and this is a Bible-believing mega church in California. He said before his congregation, and I was very humbled. He said, uh, "There, there are very few prophets in the body of Christ today, but I believe that Paul McGuire is one of the few uh, real and 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 biblical." prophets, um, he, that he's a modern-day prophet uh, to the body of Christ and our nation. And what humbled me about that is that this is a man who I don't think ever uses the word prophet. In fact, I would probably say theologically, uh, he wouldn't refer to, to most ministries as, as prophets, prophets. Um, and I'm and, and, and again, he knows I'm not looking for a title. I don't call myself a prophet. I do have prophetic gifts, but I'm not looking for a name. I'm not looking for a title. My reward, like your reward, will come when I stand before Jesus at the judgment seat of Christ. And then Jesus will hand out my rewards. Jesus will hold me accountable like he holds you accountable. And this is the final remark. Every one of us are accountable to God for our lives, our resources, our gifts, and our talents. And to the degree we're faithful with every single thing that God has given us is to the degree that the Lord God Almighty, Jesus Christ, will reward us as we stand before the judgment seat of Christ and then are welcomed into heaven. God bless you. This is Paul McGuire. Visit paulmcguire.us, and please grab yourself copies or copies. That's twice on copies, but grab yourself a copy of Power From On High. Receive Power From On High. This, that's, this is not a crazy book. This is not a Looney Tune book. This is a book built on sound doctrine. Get yourself a copy of Power From On High, and you can do it at paulmcguire.us. God bless you. This is Paul McGuire.